lovely day for tennis, eh? Game set and match. This is Tennis Talk Canada with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Good morning. Welcome to Tennis Talk Canada. Jim Taddy and Ken Christina with you. And I should, before we go any further, tell you that Tennis Talk Canada is presented by George Fisher Photography, specializing in landscapes and nature. George Fisher has published in more than 65 photo books featuring Canadian and international destinations. He is frequently commissioned for his creative and unique perspective. George Fisher Photography. Good morning, Ken. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, Jim. Thank you. And so we have some stuff to deal with right off the top. And I, I want to mention that uh, some of the stuff that we'll uh, play for you later, we had to record that on a Thursday night because we wanted to bring the best guests to you on Tennis Talk Canada. But we want to lead with the the, the obvious lead story, and uh, that is from the Monterey Open. And, of course, that Leila Annie Fernandez, unfortunately, did not get through the quarterfinals. Now, you watched this match, Ken. What did you see? Well, I tell you, uh, young Layla Annie Fernandez has been playing some great tennis. She's starting to take the ball a lot earlier, staying a little tighter on the baseline. She had a big win in the round of 16, defeating the number five seed, Sloane Stevens. Sloane, uh, most of our listeners will remember, captured the 2017 U.S. Open. Uh, Layla beat her 6-7, 6-3, She came up against the number one seed in the quarterfinals, Svitolina. Uh, it was a tough match. Unfortunately, uh, Layla was on the short end of a 6-4-7-5 score, but she did play very impressive tennis. As I mentioned, she was taking the ball a lot earlier. She was creating some nice angles. Uh, her serve, she's really developing a great serve to the ad side, and she used it well in the match. Um, I, I think the big turning point in the match was Fidelina was serving at 2-3 in the second set down love 40. And she played five uh, big points to capture that game and hold serve and then uh, kind of took it from there. Unfortunately, if there's one part of Layla's game she has to work on, it would be the return of serve. Tough against a big hitter like Svitolina, but if she can work on that return of serve to get a little bit of an advantage uh, off some second serves from Svitolina, I think we'll see a better result the next time they play. Uh, having said that, and because of what we saw last year out of Bianca, I mean, does this, sort, does this story track in, in any way, shape, or form in that direction? Well, you know, she was ranked 195, 196 just a few weeks ago. Uh, the week before this tournament, Leila Annie uh, lost in the finals in another event down in Mexico to the number seven seed, Heather Watson, in a tough three-set match. So she's currently, her ranking's on an upswing, ranked number 126 in the world prior to her showing this week. Um, I think we're going to see great things out of her. She moves very well. Her defense is great, which is one of Bianca's strengths. Uh, she was putting in some drop shots against Fidelina today, which uh, uh, for our listeners that have watched Bianca play, she certainly uses that drop shot well. So I would say that Layla's stealing a little bit of Bianca's game and look to see Layla move into the top 100 and beyond that. Uh, we're going to see great things from this young left-hander. Uh, what's next for her? Uh, well, I believe she's going to head towards Indian Wells and try to qualify to get into the tournament. Um, unfortunately, she won't be getting direct entry. But she is is a tough competitor, and, and when she was in Mexico in the first tournament she played down there, she went all the way through the qualifying and then all the way to the finals. So she stands a real good chance. The one negative is she's not used to playing this much tennis week after week uh, on the WTA Tour. So hopefully she'll get some rest over the next uh, 24 hours or so 
and uh, she'll be ready to uh, to tackle the qualifying event. You know, she also had a great showing in Fed Cup. She beat uh, Benchik, uh, the number four player in the world at the time, uh, who was playing for Switzerland, and, and uh, Layla Annie defeated her 6-2-7-6. So she's certainly got some wins against some top-flight players. So hopefully she can keep that ball rolling as the uh, WTA season uh, rolls along. And Ken, regardless of the sport, anytime you're talking about somebody who is making a name for themselves, a young player learning how to compete at, at a, a really top level time and time again is, is, is an acquired taste, really makes you appreciate what Bianca did last year, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, what Bianca did is, is second to none. We, we haven't seen that on tour in such a long time. We've seen young players come along and win big, big events and, and, uh, and go deep into grand slams and things like that. But to see a young player uh, win week in, week out like Bianca did last season and then to capture the uh, U.S. Open in front of a boisterous uh, American crowd against the great Serena Williams, uh, we haven't seen that in tennis in for as long as I can remember, maybe back to the Chris Everett days uh, many, many moons ago. So uh, nice to see, and uh, you know we've got a lot of young Canadians that are doing well on both the women's side now with with Layla and uh, Bianca, and of course on the men's side with uh, Vashik back and healthy, Felix playing very well, Dennis and Milos. Uh, it's great time for tennis in Canada. So what we're doing this weekend is setting up the BNP Paribas Open at Indian Wells, which starts on Monday. Uh, later on in the broadcast. Adriano for uh, Fiore Villa will stop by. He is Dennis Shapovalov's former head coach and, and a major team member. And uh, Sylvain Bruno will stop by, and he is Bianca's head coach. So we'll get an insight as to where both they are in terms of uh, competing in this event and if Bianca, in fact, will compete and going through a rehab, which is quite a story, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, she had some shoulder uh, situations, some shoulder injuries uh, through the course of uh, 2019, and then a knee injury in the in the late stages of 2019. But she's been working hard to rehab it, and uh, we're hoping that she's ready to go. She played uh, some doubles at Fed Cup for Canada uh, last month. Uh, she wasn't quite ready yet to uh, to play singles. But uh, we're hoping that she's at 100% or darn close to 100% and ready to defend some points uh, at, at Indian Wells. Obviously, from Sylvan's side and from Bianca and her family's side, you know, she doesn't want to hurt her future career by coming back too early. So I'm sure they're going to make sure uh, between uh, the coach and, and Sylvan and Bianca and their team that, that she's as close to 100% as possible to make a good, uh, a good run at Indian Wells again. Okay, Ken, uh, just on the way out here, I just want to welcome our new sponsors. George Fisher Photography is our title sponsor. Uh, we have segment sponsors, and they go by these names, Racket Guys and The Merchant of Tennis. So we welcome them aboard. It's going to be fun to be with them, isn't it? Absolutely, and uh, Racket Guys and Merchant of Tennis, uh, two great stores in the uh, Toronto area, and George Fisher Photography, a great supporter of tennis, so we're happy to have all three uh, on board. Ken, thanks very much. Tennis Talk Canada is presented by George Fisher Photography. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Tennis Talk Canada is presented by George Fisher Photography. Visit georgefisherphotography.com. This segment is sponsored by Racket Guys. Racket Guys has Canada's largest selection of tennis equipment at the guaranteed best price. Shop online at racketguys.ca or visit the Markham Superstore for expert advice. Jim Taddy and Ken Christina with you. Our next stop is the BNP Paribas Open at Indian Wells in California. A great opportunity for Canadian tennis stars, and that includes Denis Shapovalov. And we're pleased to have with us Adriano 
Peorivia from the uh, team Shapovalov. And Adriano, how are you, sir? Hi, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure to have you on. Uh, in terms of what Dennis has done so far, what's your take on his performance? I feel like he started super, super well at the ATP Cup. Um, he played, uh, I, I thought he played like a top five level. Uh, played some great matches. Played Djokovic very, very tight. Could have uh, easily, have, not easily, but could have come out winning that match. So he, uh, he started super, super strong. Um, he kind of, uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if that, uh, if that slowed him down a little bit, but he's, uh, you know, the last uh, couple of tournaments he hasn't done as well, but I think it's more of a, you know, I think he, he knows where he's at, and I think he knows now he's he can really uh, contend with some of the big guys, and I think it's more like just, uh, you know, just settling down a little bit, but I think he's uh, he'll recover well and go into this hard court uh, little, little month over here in the U.S., and uh, I think he'll be back. So, Adriano, tell us about the ATP Cup and, and your role in it and how you came about being involved with the ATP Cup this year for Team Canada. Yes, so uh, ATP Cup is just, <clears throat> I guess it's a, a new event by the ATP. <clears throat> I guess competing, kind of competing with the Davis Cup, you could say, and uh, uh, it works differently than Davis Cup. So the number one player from any country gets to choose their captain. And so Dennis just called me up and... Uh, uh, you know, and asked uh, if I want to be captain. So obviously, <clears throat> obviously that was uh, that's something that uh, that is uh, awesome for me. And you know, we we have a very good relationship. Uh, you know, since we started coaching, and you know, on and off, and you know, we we support each other. When he's back, we hang out, and we, you know, we 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 talk, and <clears throat> I see him sometimes, and and so he just uh, uh, he was awesome, and he asked me there to. to to be a part of it and the captain in, and I was like, of course. And I have to tell you, that was probably one of the most fun experiences I had as a coach uh, at a particular event. It's certainly nice in tennis to have a team event, and I'm sure you, you got a big kick out of that. I understand the umpire had a conversation with you at one point during one of Dennis's match. Can you share with us if you can remember what was said and uh, discussed? Uh, there's a lot yeah. of rumors that are swirling around, but I'd like to get it right from you, kind of what took place. Yes, yes. It was during the Djokovic match. Uh, the the complete the, the crowd was complete Serbia. I, it was just a Serbian crowd. Uh, a lot of Serbians there, and they don't really know tennis. They, they're just more Serbian athlete fans. Uh, and so th- it was a hostile crowd, and you know, obviously they were all against uh, all against Canada and booing and. Um, you know, booing, uh, cheering after you miss a first serve. So uh, it, it was very hostile to play against. And, you know, at one point, uh, you know, Dennis showed his frustration to the crowd, which I think almost anyone would have at that time. And uh, the umpire just asked me to have Dennis uh, go to him first, and then he'll deal with the crowd. So it wasn't, it wasn't anything major, but it was more of just how to deal with the crowd. Well, I tell you, as a as a Canadian growing up, I always had some fire on the court, so I love to see that Dennis uh, fires back out there. There's nothing wrong with that, showing a little bit of emotion. We need that in tennis for sure, so uh, we're happy to see that and happy that the, the Canadian's doing that. Um, a lot of Canadians on tour now. When you're, when you're out there, uh, when you're traveling with Dennis, and uh, are the Canadians hanging out on tour at all, the, the coaches, the teams, the players? Uh, what's your viewpoint on that with, uh, with so many young Canadians out there now? Uh, I definitely some of the players once in a while uh, will go out to dinner together or if 
you know, some of the teams will go out to dinner together. It's uh, it's it's interesting because everybody's schedule is a little bit different, so it just depends on you know who's playing and you know when are they playing today? Are they playing tomorrow? So if the schedule is aligned and you know everybody tries once in a while to grab dinner together, you know, a couple of the guys. Um, but it really depends on the schedule, and then everybody has their own team. So, and you know, like you know, Dennis and Felix, the team are, it's getting a little bit bigger and bigger as they're approaching, you know, you know, top ten uh, in comparison to you know some of the other guys who you know might be around 150ish, and you know, their team isn't as big, and it's, it's tough to afford a team that that's seen like that. But at, at times, uh, you know, it, all the Canadian guys are cool. It's uh, there's a lot of respect. Um, I, I, I mean, being at the ATP Cup, and I saw the guys, and we we spent a lot of time together. Everybody was, uh, everybody's cool with each other, hitting with each other, training with each other, and um, uh, it's great to see. I really like to see that. Adriano, as you know, he turns 21 middle of next month. Uh, he's accomplished quite a bit, but this story has to keep evolving. What is he working on, and, and you know, how is he feeling about things? I think uh, I, I think he's feeling more and more confident, obviously, about himself and. Uh, about his game, obviously, he's now settling into like life on the tour, and I think um, he's been doing it, you know, couple, two, three years now fully. So, uh, you know, it's more just uh, you know a little bit of patience, as you know he normally has. But I think, uh, you know, for, for for me personally, for Dennis, like I, I believe his game is big and it's big tennis, and I think, uh, you know, I, I I love him going for shots because that's that's the kid I remember when 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 we were younger, and he just. He had no fear. He was confident in himself, and and he played big tennis. And I think uh, just kind of knowing, maybe you know, uh, maybe waiting a shot or two before pulling the trigger. But you know, I know he's he's trying to improve all aspects of his game. Obviously, it's, you know, the serve, the return. Like he's he's still a young he's still a young kid on tour, is what I say. And, and there's always and he's got a mind as well. Is always improving. He always wants to improve and be better. It's not like he's settling for what he's at. So it's still like really a lot of aspects of his game. I, you know, it, it, it's not you know not one thing that I would say. When when I was back with him for for a few months last uh, last year, um, it, it's just constantly working on everything. And he's just and he's I loved it that he's just always like, okay, can we spend some time on this today? Can we spend some time on that? I'm like, sure, let's do it. So it's constantly depending on you know what he wants to do, what he wants to work on, different parts of the game. When we were on the grass working on different things for the grass, on clay, different things for the clay. So um, I like that he's really taking ownership and confidence of his game and, um, you know, and what he wants to do. So, so go, um, everything. Going into Indian Wells, Adriano, he, he's ranked number 16 in the world. So he he's going to be seated top 16 in this event. At what point did you know? You know, they always talk about hockey players, golfers, tennis players, you know, people knew that they were going to make it. Like, at what point did you know that he had what it took to be, you know, top 16 and, and beyond that in the world of, uh, on the ATP Tour? Was there a time that you really saw it in him? I would say, you know, when he was younger, younger, nobody, you know, I, I guess many didn't, uh, didn't think or, you know, that he could be that good and when I said talking about the many I'm talking about the ones outside his close circle which was myself and and his parents but you know 14 15 he was doing some good things with nothing nothing so so spectacular yet but he was on a on a great great on a you know on a great trajectory but then you know c- kind of coming around that year where 
we started, uh, we didn't go to the Aussie Open and we played some futures and he came through and he, you know, he, he qualified winning four matches and then he comes in winning. It, it rained for four days. And then on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he plays, you know, the whole main draw, two matches a day. And, and he just went through the guys like it was like, it was just like a, a routine weekend. And I started seeing some things from him there. I was like, hey, wow, now he's really starting to really come together. Did you see this? Where he's at right now? I'm not sure. But then, you know, we, we continue, wins a couple more futures. He sent me the challenger. And then, and then obviously he goes to Roehampton, the junior Roehampton in Wimbledon, and he, and he goes 12 and 0 on the grass. And I, you know, and I, even back then, I think I, I went back and I'm not sure if it was Roger Federer who did that, uh, in, in 98. And I don't know if anyone else has done that, uh, since, but like right away going there, wins Roehampton. Everybody thinks he's a favorite, goes into Wimbledon. He knows he's a favorite. He knows he can win, and he, and he dealt with it. So, And at that point, I, I was thinking, well, every time he's put in a big moment, he's coming up big. Um, so that was the big, big thing for me. Then we come to Rogers Cup, uh, gets the wild card, and plays Nick Kyrgios. You know, he wanted to play on center court. He wanted, you know, a night match. And, again, he's, just, he's a guy that just steps up. And, and he just steps up to perform. He's not, he, he was not afraid. So when I started seeing this fearlessness from him and he can handle the, the big moments and, and he, and he always, he always made the best out of every moment he got and he took it. I'm like, okay, this is when you can see that this, this, this kid's going to be something good because he always had tools, but you do need a, you do need a mental side of the game, a belief factor, uh, uh, something that you know you belong and you can get there. And I think it was around that time of the Wimbledon, the, uh, Rogers Cup beating the Kyrgios. <clears throat> and that's where I think the where I really started like saying, man, this kid could be like something. Andriano, thanks very much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Hope you come back. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Tennis Talk Canada, presented by George Fisher Photography. This segment was brought to you by Racket Guys. Racket Guys is Canada's largest selection of tennis equipment at the guaranteed best price. Shop online at racketguys.ca or visit the Markham Superstore for expert advice. Up next, Bianca's coach. This is Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back. Tennis Talk Canada presented by George Fisher Photography. Jim Taddy and Ken Christina with you getting you set for the BNP Paribas Open at Indian Wells in California. And we're going to center in on Bianca Andrescu now. And we have her coach, Sylvain Bruneau. Sylvain, welcome. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Our pleasure to have you. Everybody would be concerned about her health. And obviously, if she's ready to go, uh, can you describe what she had to do to get back into shape? Oh, it's been a long process. Basically, she got injured uh, at the end of October. So the last uh, basically four months have been dedicated to rehab and, and fitness and with a few steps forward and then a step backward. But uh, things are moving in the right direction uh, at this point. Uh, we're hoping uh, that she's going to be able to play in Wells. We're not sure yet or we're going to be making that decision in the the next three, four days, but it's been a lot, a lot of hard work for uh, Bianca, a lot of rehab. I've been following uh, Sylvain, uh, Bianca on Instagram, and she certainly looks to, to be putting in an awful lot of work, which is great. Uh, we hope, obviously, that she's healthy enough to, uh, to play Indian Wells and defend. What's her daily routine like, uh, both tennis-wise and then the, the, the rehab-wise, uh, while she hasn't been playing these tournaments. Has she been able to get on the court at all and hit any balls uh, along the way? 
Yeah, she's been she's been able. I mean, in December we were in Los Angeles, and then right after the holidays we moved to Barcelona, where basically she's been based for the last two months, so that she could work with uh, Angel Cotoro, which is the doctor of Rafael Nadal, and basically she's not played that much tennis. The emphasis has been uh, on on the rehab. So it's not been the usual uh, training regimen that she usually do. So uh, basically, she would wake up in the morning and she would have treatment for an hour or so. She would do fitness. We would have a hit, but it's always been like a light hit between uh, initially 30 minutes and we crank it up to 45, an hour, an hour, an hour and a half, a bit more. So it's been a steady, steady progress. And then she would do fitness again. So she had two fitness sessions and then finished with treatment and rehab. So not so much tennis, a lot more uh, work with the physio and the fitness coach. Um, I got to ask, you know, we've seen her parents so much on television during the U.S. Open and different events. How have they been for you to deal with? I, I've interacted with them a little bit uh, in Toronto, and then a couple times they did. Uh, Bianca was doing some commercials at Mayfair, but how has it been uh, with her parents uh, and her sudden rise to uh, to the top t- five in the world on the tour? Uh, well, their parents, so they're obviously, and that's their only daughter, so they're obviously very concerned. Uh, they want things to go smoothly and well for her, and it's been a bit hectic and difficult over the last few months. Uh, so they, they follow everything uh, very closely. Uh, but they've been good. They've been very supportive, very supportive of Bianca. They're totally behind her, trying to help her get through this uh, tough period. And as far as I'm concerned, they've been very supportive as well. Uh, no issues at all to mention. But, uh, you know, they, they really care about her. And it's been, a, you know, it's not been easy. So, and they just hope that somehow we find solutions because it's not her first injury. And, you know, uh, she's promised to do some really, really good things in tennis. So it's all our job now to make sure that we're able to keep her uh, strong and, and healthy. And, uh, and I think that's our mission now. So then help us uh, understand what, what will you go through to make that decision, all of you? And, and if, if the decision is yes, when she starts playing, what, what do you look for? Well, basically, my the way I looked at it from the very beginning, way back in December, when it was like, oh, am I going to be ready for Auckland, where she was you no know, play? I mean, it was a breakthrough where she made the final. She really wanted to go back there, and then it was Melbourne, and then it was the Fed Cup, and then Dubai. Doha. There was always something in Wells. I mean, my position was always like, it's not about you know which tournament you're going to, it's all about like when you're ready, when you're perfectly ready, physically stronger actually than you have ever been. And then from a, and, and a healthy, totally healthy, able to do anything you need to do on the court. And there's no like, let's cross our fingers. Everything will be fine. We know everything will be fine because we've tested it in and out and so forth. So, um, so basically that's for me, the prerequisite for her to go back to uh, competition whenever that is, injured wells or later. And uh, I'm not going to make any compromise on that. I think we did before uh, because she was excited. It was her first year. A lot of good things happening for her, new tournaments. She missed you know, Madrid, Rome, French Open, Wimbledon. So at some point she really wanted to compete. And I think at some point we made some decision where we rushed a little bit her return to the court. 
and uh, basically in Shenzhen because she had a bit of a setback after uh, that tournament in uh, in Beijing, and and now we're you know she's paying the price for that. So I think we need to have you know learn and show a little bit of wisdom and patience and make sure we do it right. Take us back in time, Sylvain, to uh, to the U.S. Open Ladies Championship final match, which I believe is one of the most watched female tennis matches in in Canada. How was it for you sitting in that stadium, and and how on earth did Bianca remain so composed? And yes, she covered her ears and things like that, but but the composure was unbelievable. So how was it for you as a coach to be able to sit there through that uh, championship match? Well, it was pretty amazing because that's as a coach, that's what you look for, those huge moments where your player or your team is in action, performing to the best they can in such a great environment. And, I mean, it was a perfect setup playing Serena and they followed the U.S. Open primetime TV on a Saturday. And it, it was all that was super exciting. And then to see her be able to go uh, out there in her first Grand Slam final, you know, Serena's been there, done that many, many, many times. She's used to this. For Bianca, it was a first. So to see her handle the moment the way she did was very special, uh, very, very special, because it was not easy. Uh, not only was she playing a legend, was playing someone she's watched as she was growing up, uh, basically when every single match she played, every single tournament, when we're watching Serena on, on TV, and then um, and do that with the crowd who was totally in favor of Serena, we, I mean, it was pretty amazing, and I think it shows what she's made of. You know, she's the real thing. Uh, she's a fabulous athlete. She's got a great game, but more than that, she's a little bit of a uh, soul of a champion, and I think she showed that. I would look at that as a defining moment as to who the person is to be able to manage that performance on that stage. Was that something that you discovered then, or could you see that in her? No, I mean, yes and no. Uh, you never know, so you can never take anything for granted. It was her first final, so I, it's not like I had seen her being exposed to this and, and react a certain way, but I know her pretty well, and I uh, I had a feeling she was going to do it totally fine, but you never know. Uh, and over the last two years that we've been working together, uh, I've... I've known to totally understand, you know, her, her thought process and how she reacts to things. And and even before that, when I was Fed Cup captain, I was mesmerized sometimes to see how she would handle, which I thought was great moments, like really difficult pressure moments and some ties, and how she would handle them. And I was not sure if it's because she was naive and did not understand the importance of the moment or and and now i know she was not naive it's just what she does like when the going gets tough she she raises to the occasion and um and i think that's really the signature of of the great ones so goals for 2020 sylvan obviously the number one goal is to be 100 percent healthy and the knee and the shoulder and put put the injuries behind her but are, are there some other goals that the two of you set have set out for 2020 um, moving forward, well, for sure, for sure, that's the number one goal. You you made it totally clear. Uh, that's uh, our first uh, first objective. Uh, but uh, I'd like to think that whatever happened in 2019, where basically the, the 
planet tennis got to really discover uh, Bianca. Uh, it is just the first year of many great years to come. It was just like the first year she really made her breakthrough. We've seen women's tennis. It's not always easy to have like such an incredible year and then to come back and and uh, and walk the talk after and keep you know keep it alive. Um, and uh, so I'd like to think that this is just the beginning. And to make this you know to make this happen again, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of commitment. And um, and I think that's what we're going to try to do. So uh, Bianca was over at uh, the Fed Cup. Uh, she, I guess she enjoyed being around the team. And uh, did you head over there as well and spend some time with the team? Or was that a, a week off for you, which was probably nice too? It was nice a week too. off. It was a family week for me. I mean, I did a lot of Fed Cups over the last 20 years. But now that, you know, that was, I mean, that was the exchange. I was Fed Cup captain and my boss said, like this, and I want you to focus on Bianca and we're, you're going to be away from, we're going to take Fed Cup away from you. So since, uh, since we've made that switch, I've not been to any Fed Cup. Sylvain, we enjoyed this. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Sylvain Bruneau, Bianca's head coach. And so we wait with anticipation. Absolutely. Hopefully she's 100% and ready to play at Indian Wells. That would be nice. But you want the long-term health, as he said, right? Absolutely. And I think they're going to make the right decision. They're not going to rush her. And um, sure, it's nice to go in there and, and defend the points. But it's more important to have a long career and a healthy career. Tennis Talk Canada is presented by George Fisher Photography. Up next, we go back to the Aussie Open. This is Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back. Jim Taddy and Ken Crosina with you. Tennis Talk Canada presented by George Fisher Photography. This segment sponsored by the Merchant of Tennis, Canada's tennis experts. For all your tennis needs with a personal touch, visit merchantoftennis.com or visit store locations in Toronto and Oakville. So when we look back to the Aussie Open, clearly the roundage performance is the high watermark for Canadian tennis so far. Absolutely. Uh, Milos, unfortunately, has been a little bit forgotten by the media over the last uh, year uh, with the uh, emergence of Felix and Bianca and Dennis, but uh, he's the one that kind of started it all. So uh, it was nice to see that he had a great Aussie Open run. And so he goes out in the quarterfinals to Djokovic. He loses 4-6, 3-6, 6-7, and here he is as he exited the Aussie Open. Uh, Before tonight... uh, he never lost a serve before. Uh, how does it feel to play with Djokovic and again and again for the tenth time to lose to him? Yeah, it's tough, but uh, overall, a lot of positive things for me this week. I think that's where my focus is at. Uh, today was a, a tough match, and I knew it was going to be tough. I knew I was going to have to do things well, and the conditions were tough. It was uh, it was one of the first time I, I think really that I've played here well definitely this tournament when it's this cold in the evening so it made it a little bit slower and I knew that was going to be a challenge but uh, you know I just tried to make the best of it and he was just too good. You know, so what, what needed to happen tonight that didn't happen against him? I think I came in with sort of the wrong game plan. I think I needed to mix up speeds a little bit more. I think I was trying to play through him a little bit too much at the beginning. Um, so, and then, uh, you know, him as, and all the other top guys as well, once they sort of can get into a groove and uh, get their balance behind them, things get more difficult. And uh, he was in a lot of my service games. I was sort of holding on 
but uh, eventually at one point he, he found an opening, but uh, I think I need to execute a little bit better, maybe go in with a different approach. Show that he was about a meter and a half closer in to return your serve than any of your opponents so far this week. Do you feel that on the on the return? Um, you feel it because uh, not because it comes back necessarily quicker, but uh, the fact is that he gets his racket on a lot of returns, and that's the part. He just makes you play more and more. Uh, obviously, on the second serve return, he he does have a, a much uh, better return than uh, most of the rest of the tour. But uh, on the first serve, um, you feel it because he just gets his hand on it. And even if it's just a sort of crappy ball in the middle of the court, you still have to hit another one and you know he can defend really well. So that sort of just sways on you over time. What's the plan now for you because you're finishing LT? So I guess that, that's a good news too. Are you going to mix up the schedule to have more rest time? or? Uh, well, right now, um, the plan is to go to New York, play there, and to play Delray Beach. That's sort of the schedule for now, and then uh, see where I'm at, and uh, have to figure out what I'm going to do of that week uh, following that, if Acapulco is a possibility or not, but uh, Indian Wells, Miami. And then I have to see where where I am, and I'll see what I'm going to do uh, in terms of clay. Speak a little bit, you know, having had your injury and stuff, and coming back, how that um, being kind of kind to yourself during that process, and, and kind of being realistic. Yeah, you know, um, when you try to do different things, and you try to tr find solutions, and you try to find uh, a way to stay healthy and to be able to consistently play sometimes things work uh, sometimes they don't sometimes they work a little bit longer than others but you can't really know until you go through it and uh, I've been training a different way and hopefully that gives me the freedom to play and I can be uh, playing week after week finishing tournaments healthy and then not think about much more than what getting to the next one and preparing as best as I can for it see the match of Federer today and the work, if you have, what were you thinking? Because uh, many people would have retired when he was limping, he had problems to his uh, you know, doctors, and uh, instead stayed there and kept fighting. Is it something that sometimes it happened to you too, that uh, you don't want to retire until the last minute? or? Yeah, I think it, uh, it it's it happens. I think everybody has a different uh, approach on it. I think the one important thing is that you know it's something that you can't make much worse because I don't think anybody's uh, naive enough that they're going to play through something and then instead of missing, if they are hurt, two weeks or three weeks, that they're going to risk missing eight months. I think you have to have a little bit of an understanding. Um, I've played here uh, when I was in the semis uh, against Andy. I got hurt, and I uh, I knew Roger had a chance today. He created a chance for himself. I knew at that moment I didn't have a chance, but I finished the match, and it's happened to me at Wimbledon and at other events, where uh, especially the bigger ones where you don't want to step away, and you sort of just take the inevitable outcome. But it was uh, it was impressive for Roger to be able to turn it around the way he did as well.
So, in the weeks following the Australian Open, he went on to the New York Open and was eliminated in the second round. And then the following week at Delray Beach, got into the semifinals and was eliminated there. And I, I don't want to say the struggle continues, but maybe the frustration continues, Ken. A little bit, yeah. I, I think he had a great showing at the Australian Open. And, you know, he talks in that clip about changing speeds. And with Milos's serve, it's so big and so powerful. And the height that he has, he's got a really... Think about what he said there and try to apply that in some of his matches. And when I watch him play, it doesn't matter whether he's playing Djokovic or Tsitsipas or, or somebody ranked outside the top 50 or even top 100. He does often try to play through people. And what he means by that is he's trying to out-hit them and just hit the ball too hard and win points too quickly. He's not the Milos that broke onto the scene seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. He's much more consistent now. He's moving a little bit better, especially when he's healthy. And he can make points last longer and win points in different ways than he used to. But he's got to realize that and use that when he goes into a match. Yeah, it's hard to be critical. I mean, this is a, this is a thick field he has to plow through on, on a tournament basis. Uh, having said that, uh, are you Im- impressed with how he has developed, or is there something that he needs to do more? I've been impressed, uh, definitely, with how he's developed. I mean, I, I met Milos for the first time at 14 years old. He was 14 playing in a men's league, and... I was pretty impressed that night when I shook his hand after he beat me very badly. Um, and I've been impressed ever since. But I've seen Milos working uh, off court in the gym. He works harder than almost anybody I've ever seen. Um, so he's, he's, you know, he talks a little bit about preventing injuries and he's tr- changing his workouts. So he's really trying to be healthy and play healthy. Um, the one, one, number one thing that I think he needs to do a little bit more is I think he needs to serve and volley a little bit more. His serve can be so good. And the spin and the angles that he can create with his serve can be so good. If he serves in volleys, he pressures his opponent and takes time and space away from them. So this question is based on what we've seen and, and I guess the hunger or thirst for the next step. And, and of course, because Bianca did that, everybody wants more Canadians to be able to do that. Um, what does he have to add to his game to be able to take that the ultimate step? Funny enough, even right now he's ranked, I think, 30 in the world uh, as we speak today. Confidence. He's got to believe in himself that his body is going to enable him to take that next step. And I think every day that he wakes up and he feels healthy, he's going to build on that confidence. He has the ability to do it. But having said that, you know, it's tough to get through Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal. And you're almost always going to have to beat two of those three guys in a big tournament. And that's tough to do, uh, especially if you play one in the quarters and one in the semis. But Milos has the ability to do it because he has that weapon of the big serve. And when you say confidence, I immediately thought of what we talked about with Sylvain about Bianca in that moment at the U.S. Open uh, when there was a, an opportunity for Serena to come back and, and there was a bit of a charge and, and how Bianca handled that and then took it to the next level. That's really what you're talking about, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, we, we see it in hockey. You, you see it in a seven-game series in hockey. You see it in a tennis tournament in a Grand Slam when they have to win five, six, seven matches in, in two weeks. There is that pressure that's out there, but it's having the confidence that you can can really do it on the main stage. And every Grand Slam and every big tournament is a little bit different. The noise is different. You know, you you look at what Bianca did at the U.S. Open on on the largest tennis stadium in the world that was very pro-USA. I don't know if I've ever seen a young Canadian that I would think could handle that pressure. Uh, I don't think any of these, uh, our young male tennis players could have handled it. But Milos, at his age, and the wisdom that he has now, 
I think if he just can stay healthy, uh, look for him to go deep in some grand slams moving forward. You know, you said young Canadian. I think when we look back on that uh, Bianca video, it, it doesn't matter where you, you come from. That's that's a really rare performance from a young tennis player, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Sylvain, who we had on the show earlier, spoke about it and, and what she went through. Um, you know, I, there was a lot of Canadians that flew down just for that final. Uh, Michael Downey, our president and CEO of Tennis Canada, said he couldn't believe the noise in the stadium and how Bianca handled things. Carl Hale, the uh, head tennis pro at Donalda Golf and Country Club, the same thing. Everybody that sees how she did it is basically amazed by it. But that means that every other young Canadian tennis player that watched that match knows what it takes to compete at that level on that main stage and that we can do it. And that's a big step for Canada. Uh, just before we go, the BNP Paribas Open. What is unique about this tournament? Well, it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, they built it uh, right in the middle of nowhere in California. So you've got the heat. Um, you get some winds out there uh, where the event is, is played. Uh, it's nice because the men and the women are there. It's one of the big two-week tournaments. So it's kind of like uh, one of the extra Grand Slams, so to speak, because it is such a, it's a long tournament and uh, the men and women play there. But I tell you, we're going to have at least four Canadians in the men's draw. Uh, hopefully, Bianca's heading up things in the women's draw. She looks like she'll be seated number four if she's healthy. So this is a great opportunity to see a lot of great action uh, from these young Canadians on tour. We look forward to it. This segment was sponsored by the Merchant of Tennis, Canada's tennis experts, serving you locally in Toronto and Oakville and online at merchantoftennis.com. Make sure to visit at Merchants of Tennis on Instagram and Twitter for the latest tennis news and special deals and promotion on equipment apparel and other tennis gear. Ken, thanks very much. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Another great show. It was fun. That's our show for this week. We'll be back on May 23rd to set up the French Open. Tennis Talk Canada is presented by George Fisher Photography. Published in more than 65 photo books, George Fisher is frequently commissioned for his unique perspective. His artistic photo books have been featured on the Globe and Mail's bestseller list, and he has received the Ontario Tourism Award of Excellence in Photography. Thanks for joining us in Tennis Talk Canada and TSN 1050.